if the paintings that you make reflect your personality, people are drawn to that. And welcome to episode 116 of Art Juice. This is honest, generous, and humorous conversations to feed your creative soul and get you thinking. With me, Louise Fletcher. And me, Alice Sheridan. And I'm a little bit out of breath because I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I had to run back to the house for something. So don't worry about me if you listen to this and I sound like I'm having a heart attack. But we today are going to talk about, we're having a bit of a lighter subject today, and we're going to talk about um, how our personality type affects the way we work. And we don't really know where that's going to go, but we'll see. Before we get to that, what have you been working on this week, Alice? Well, I've just been um, continuing with this lovely happy muddly middle paintings I started some uh, two new big ones which for me is one meter 20 at the moment um I'm just playing with paint I'm, I've had a go with glazing fluid in the early stages it's not doing what I want it to do it's quite thick still yeah. glazing fluid is that so yeah I think maybe I don't know if I need to add more water but I kind of really wanted to make things really liquid and it still needs pushing <laughs> so I don't know but I've just been exploring it um it, it's it's enjoyable I'm really just trying to stay open to what happens in these I'm a little bit frustrated that the two big ones have started off feeling quite obviously landscapey and I haven't yet made a decision about whether I want to push them in another direction or whether I'm going to go with them as they are so we'll wait and see how these go but yeah I've been doing those and I've also been we've been looking at um, branding in the membership so I've quite enjoyed doing that I've been twiddling around making logo designs for myself which I will probably never ever use but it's been quite fun doing it <laughs> It must be nice to have that skill. It really must be nice. That's that's something I do. That and singing. I always think, I wish I could sing. Yeah. And it would be nice to be able to do design. And I'm not bad as an amateur in the sense that I've seen other people do things that are worse than I do. I seem to have some sense of where to place things. But I, it, there's a very definite difference between someone who's trained and knows what they're doing and someone who doesn't. And I certainly couldn't make my own logo. I can see when I don't like it, yeah. but I, I can't pick what it should be. Yeah, and it's frustrating because I don't have access to all the software tools that I used to have. So I can't draw things out or convert font to outlines and tweak them and change things like that. And of course, it's very different as well when you're trying to put it on a website and you're working within the constraints of whatever website template. There's a whole other area of frustration, but just doodling around and playing with names and logos and fonts is kind of in my happy place. So I've been doing little bit of that so yeah that's been my week what about you well a bit of branding for me too but I'm working with someone else on that and uh, so I had to provide things to her so that I had to look at what she's developed and then I had to provide some different marks and things I had to make marks on paper that's interesting to make mm. your own marks but out of context yeah really difficult really difficult so that that was a challenge so I've been doing that and so working with other people really this week because um, finishing final tweaks on the book we finalized a cover and then you mentioned a few weeks ago about those projects where you think you've done everything and then it comes back to you this is one of those because then it'll come back I think the measurements are wrong on this painting or all good questions but it keeps coming back with little tweaks uh, so working on that and finally just no painting actually this week other than playing in sketchbooks which I'm always doing oh, but you did... were finishing you just finished your small group yes they're finished and I've kind of sanded some of the edges mm -hmm. and I photographed them but I haven't been able to get the energy to do the parts I don't like which mm -hmm. is really finishing sealing them 
Oh, got to do you need, it. You need. You can listen to it when you're listening to your line of duty podcast. I mean, I've been, I've been doing <laughs> small ones, and you know, with the doing all the edges, and then varnishing the edges, and then doing the medium on the top, and then waxing, and then the, 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 the. there's yeah. so much that stuff takes so long. And the only way of doing it is little bit by little bit. And I think I've still got to photograph all of these, download them, name them all, title them, put them in my spread, get the images up, get them on the website, and it's like when are they going to be ready and I'm like when they're ready you know yeah I'm not racing it they will when they will little bit by little bit so well, I know I want these on the website when it launches which is yeah. probably going to be early May by the time yeah she's got a deadline to finish and she's very timely so she'll finish on time but there'll be things I have to do which will delay it I'm sure so probably early May so I've got time to do all yeah. the finishing and everything but I agree I should put Shrine of Duty on and then I should just do I should just get it done but <laughs> so anyway that's my week For our main topic this week, we were messaging backwards and forwards saying what should we talk about as usual. For a while we had a really long list of planned topics and that's gone by the by, we used them all. But we're kind of responding to things that come up for either of us during the week and the one that we've decided to talk about this week is personality and where that fits in to how we work and we were thinking about talking about this because if we don't understand our own personality and what works for us and what doesn't then we can get ourselves into trouble either we can get ourselves into creative blocks I think or we can get really tired out or we can just knowing ourselves has always got to be a good thing yeah, and I think also it, it's come about this week partly. Well, it's often about the conversations that we see, isn't it? So some of the conversations we see are, are for people who are in the buddy group, and some of you might be listening or doing CVP as well. And people are learning a different way of working. And with that comes, I think, a degree of frustration, which is totally understandable and part of learning anything new. And it's very easy when you're through it, when you're out the other side to kind of go, oh, it's OK, don't worry about it. But I remember what it felt like to be in that stage. And I think that for me, one of the reasons why it felt so frustrating is because I do usually like to know answers to things in advance I like to know the purpose of why I'm you know you're going to ask me to do something I want to know the reason why why should I spend my time doing this what is it going to teach me where am I going to get to at the end and actually I think one of the huge things about making art is that it's a little bit of a challenge for me to do that you know it goes against what naturally I want to do but I think it's also really interesting that actually it comes full circle back again and then it starts to affect your life in different ways like we're choosing paint colors for the kitchen at the moment like five years ago that would have been a big job for me I would have wanted to investigate all sorts of everything now I'm just like yeah do you know what pick one thing or the other thing it'll be fine there's something that has changed in me a bit, not always, but in that time, which is finding it a little bit easier to go, yeah, okay, make a decision, be done with it. Don't get me wrong, I do still have four different paint swatches on, <laughs> of little painted boards that I can hold up to check. But it's just this circular thing of knowing yourself, knowing how you work, knowing how you learn from it, and it all feeds into itself. So that's kind of why it's come up this week. So it changes you and then you have to know yourself again in a different way then. You're not, not a fixed thing. You're a constantly no. changing thing. Constantly changing thing. But I just also wonder, I was thinking about it when I was walking, about how much your personality and the way you work pulls you towards different ways of working naturally. Like, in terms of having a desire for something. So, for example, I can't ever imagine that I would be somebody who is 
very calm, very methodical, works with watercolour where you have to build things up and understand kind of where it's going because you harder to go backwards. It just doesn't feel like it particularly suits me. And uh, I was talking with somebody about, um, I think they might have been talking about sculpture, the idea of finding your way as you go along. And I was saying that was one of the things that I found quite difficult with printmaking was that although I loved some of the unpredictable elements of it, the people who worked where they had a plate and they were like, yes, first I need to do this bit and it needs to go in this acid for 20 seconds. And then I'm going to mask out that part and it's going to go in that acid for that kind of methodical way of working on a plate just brought me out completely in hives. It had no appeal whatsoever for me. Just like, I just didn't want to work like that with printmaking. Yeah, so there is something in you, I think, that is maybe pulled into even the materials you choose at the beginning, let alone how you work with them. Yeah, and and I chose watercolor. I've said before because I thought it'd be easy. Yeah, <laughs> and um, what happened was it's totally unsuited to the way I work. It's totally yeah. unsuited to me. I can see now because, as you say, you have to have some degree of planning. Otherwise, you'll you'll cover over areas that you need to be light, and then and then when you try and go over them again, the watercolor starts lifting off, and it just you can't paint in layers. You can't change your mind. You can't discover. You can, there'll be people listening or say, "Oh, you can, you can." And I'm sure if you're very skilled, you know, maybe there's all sorts of joys in watercolor. But for me, I can see now it was wrong the wrong medium and I think it brings me it brings something you said that, that goes back to that I think when especially when we're starting out or when we we've been going a while but we don't have other people to talk to we can look at the people we admire and think well they value that therefore I must do it that way they value so if you learn in watercolor you learn that you know don't don't use anything white. You can't put white wash on or anything. You've got to do it this way. Or in my case, if I when I first started, and I've said before, you were one of the first people I found online. You were you you very you're quite analytical and thought yeah. and thoughtful. So there was a part of me thinking, gosh, I'm just not doing it right because I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I can't, I must not be a proper artist and learning as I'm sure there's lots of people listening, resonating with that, because maybe if you're one of the people taking the course Alice mentioned at the beginning, you're, you're learning from Nicholas Wilton, who's a very in, intuitive and spontaneous artist. So now if you're not, you might be watching, just going, ah, that's not what I want to do. And I think it's really important to to um, recognize and honor those feelings and say yes okay I recognize myself tightening up but don't make it mean what I made it mean at first which is therefore I'm not doing it right just make it mean now that I know you better I know why we approach our painting so differently we approach our lives differently in that sense not over everything but so Knowing that, looking at other people and just recognizing if what they've got to offer you, they, they'll always have something to offer you and something to learn from them. But you don't have to work like them or be like them if it's not in your innate nature. Yeah. And I so I think what's interesting about this is. Um, are there things about what or here's a question to ask yourself what are the things about me and my personality and the way that I know that I like to work best that are not yet fully coming out in my art? Mm, good and question. What are, the, what are the parts of me that are recognised in my art? Because I think if you can get the question to the answers to those sort of things or start to recognize the answers to those sort of things it helps you learn which direction to push a little bit further and which things it's perhaps okay to drop yes oh it's such a good question I forgot what it is already I'm gonna to have to go back <laughs> it's uh, it was there's a problem with doing this from no notes <laughs> 
no so paraphrasing you because I won't say it exactly right but which parts of you are you not fully is not and are you not fully yeah. getting into your work and which things in your work I'm kind of extrapolating now are there but they're not really you so so well, which if, things which things which things are you not recognizing yet and which things are there because you can see that they are you so I think w- w- when this helped me so was the when I had this kind of quite loose approach to working which was quite difficult for me but balancing it with some degree of control made it feel okay so that was a part of me that was being recognized in the work and maybe now that I feel comfortable with that I'm feeling a little bit braver about pushing the other side of it a bit more the loose side the free side the, the the side that explores because there's a degree of confidence that comes in the control if I know that being able to control things is is an important part of sometimes what makes me tick sometimes and I think if you are like I am naturally quite loose and free but there's I was I was adding on to what you said with an element of what's there that's not you yeah because until this last series I think there was a part that was still yeah but you gotta rein that in a bit you've gotta you've gotta be neat as well you can't just be and that's not necessarily true I see now because I have some paintings I absolutely love which are not structured which are not neat mm-hmm. and um so I think there's three parts to it there's the first two parts that you said and the third part is what's in there that isn't you but it's in there because you think it should be there's a should somewhere yeah and so it's really interesting to think but I don't think you can go do you think you can go right I know what my let's just say someone says my personality is wild and free I always wear whatever I want I do whatever I want but in my paintings I'm quite I don't think you can go into like bam I'm just gonna be wild and free in my paintings then I think it's a gradual process do you think or can you just open the floodgates Hmm. I think there can be some sort of trigger moments or uh I think there can be points where you do sort of go hell I'm going to try that or um parts which do release actually kind of maybe quite quickly I think in general terms it's a long slow development and it loops back and it always comes back to you and you go and try something and then it kind of loops back I always think of it like a like a daisy in my head I call it the creative loop and it's like it's like a daisy you're at the beginning you're the center of the flower and every every kind of exploration you kind of loop out and you come back to the center again you loop out and you come back to the center again and imagine it doing that and you actually end up constructing the flat that's what it feels like to me I know a lot of people have this thought of this creative process as I'm sure we've all heard this this is brilliant I love it this is rubbish I am rubbish this is awful I'll never do this I love it and it's a kind of like a way like a mountainous wave that goes up and down for me in my head it is more this centralized loop around you and then sometimes it's a big exploration out and around sometimes it's something that's a bit smaller but I do think there can be moments where you have sudden realizations that perhaps you have been holding on to a belief too strong or not letting yourself do something because what would be the reasons because it's wasteful um I can't do that because I'm not ready for it yet I can't do that because that's only what proper painters do and I need to start working so it's often about uh it's often about working bigger because that is challenging so it's usually around something that you want but you're not doing yet because there's something that's going to be difficult about it or you're making assumptions about it and I think sometimes those can drop out of the picture quite quickly Mm. you just decide you just go I don't care I don't care. I'm not going to let that stop me. Anymore. I'm yeah. just going to go and do it. Why not? So it, one of the big ones you hear people say is, well, I can't do that because I've already got an audience for the art that I make now and they won't like it if I do this other thing. And I have seen people say, yeah, well, sod it. 
I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And and the truth is that if you put in your real person, if it, if the paintings that you make reflect your personality, people are drawn to that. And I was thinking of it like this analogy of you've been to parties or you've been to places and there's one person who is completely secure in themselves and they're completely self-possessed and they draw other people to them because they just have this aura of being fine with themselves and comfortable with whoever they are. And I think it's like that with artwork. If it is truly fine with itself and you're truly fine with yourself in it, other people will be drawn to it. Maybe not the same ones, as we've said before. So you might lose some of that audience, but you'll find a different one. If it's tentative or pretending or fake, just like a person that repels other people when they are, so will artwork. She's getting excited and wrestling her mind. <laughs> I knocked it. I'm waving my arms about. <laughs> um. Yes, I think you're right. But I also think you said if you're secure and self-possessed. I'm not sure I ever feel secure and self-possessed in my work. No, no, but you know when you're fully in it. Yes. And I also think that maybe you do get to a stage where you think. Oh, yeah, that's it. But I'm not sure. Is that something that I'm striving for with it? But my analogy of the person in the room wasn't that as painters, we feel self self, we feel like that person. I'm saying that when that person fully is inhabiting themselves and is fully comfortable with themselves, you can feel it. I think that when we're fully comfortable with the way we're working, when you love the painting, someone else will love it. And I think you love your paintings when you're done. Yeah, I suppose I'm just being careful not to give the impression that I'm certainly at that stage with them all the time or even the majority of the time. I think the majority of the time, and this goes back to how you like to work, the majority of the time with the paintings, I don't know, I'm not secure, I don't feel self-possessed of them, I have no idea when they're going to end up. It's, It's going through all the process and the struggle of doing that, which for me makes it an enjoyable and a mentally challenging and a physically challenging process, which ultimately makes the end result of it satisfying. That is something in me, in my personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Perfect analogy. Yeah. Perfect analogy because that person who's self-possessed and is full of that confidence did loads and loads and loads of work to get there before they arrived at the party. They've done a lot of personal work on themselves. So I'm not... The analogy, I think you're trying to stretch the analogy into something it doesn't work with. But what I'm just trying to say is the more more honesty and yourself that you put in, and you've said before you don't know what yourself is, but you know when you do something that's not you. Yeah, that's true. You get that feeling, you go, oh, that's that's contrived. It's, It's not. It just feels, or I get this feeling where I go, I can see that's contrived. Like I'm trying too hard. I need to cover that up. But I think even then, I think we have to be careful that we're talking about what we're talking about is a particular way of approaching paintings, which is interesting for both of us for reasons that may or may not have to do with our personality or just the way we like to work. But there are loads of other people who work at paintings or who create art in very different ways, using very different, um, very different processes, different subject matters. So for example, you know, if you're somebody and you like, you love creating kind of anime or cartoon drawings or planning them out or drawing them really careful and it's very smooth and, you know, all of those kind of things, that's, not the process of doing that is very different from what I'm drawn to but for that person that might be specifically really what they love doing and that's a a way of working that they're really suited towards but I think there are probably also people who like as you say you were who are a little bit caught up in working one way because they think they should do it or because they think it's a way in or a 
and it's not actually what suits them. And I yeah. suppose that's what I'm kind of driving at is, is what's exciting is when you can recognize that and take the steps that you need to be able to shift out of that. But also that that is not that is not an easy process to do. Yeah. Um, And if you're the anime person, if you're a lover of anime art, you're going to be able to tell the one that that someone's love and whole self is in and the one that someone's trying to do, but it's not really them. Mm. We might not be able to tell the difference. But if you really know what you're looking at, it'd be the same with music. If you had a band and you have a band that plays uh, like really death metal, the band that really plays death metal because they love death metal and they're totally into it versus the one that thinks, oh, that's the way to get an audience. I'll do that. If you're a death metal fan, you're going to spot the fake a mile off. We no might go, it all sounds like a horrible racket. I can't tell the difference. No one's going to play death metal unless they really love it. <laughs> See, she's just determined to pick up all my analogies. <laughs> but you all know what I'm saying. So, so if your heart and soul is in anime, I'm just saying it will show. But yes, yes, no, I'm you... not disagreeing with that. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying that anime if if you're creating that kind of work that might really suit your personality whereas if you want to choose if you like having things that are a little bit structured and a little bit plan if it suits you if you like to um, have a process that you can rely on you know maybe doing something like screen printing where you work out all the layers in advance really suits you yeah, yeah. you know and I think and then that, the yeah. right pe- and then the people who also feel that way but don't make her, they'll be the ones that respond because they'll sense that in in your work and they might look at yours and mine and say that's just flinging paint around for no reason. This is what I'm saying. There's two pieces to it. There's the personality of the viewers as well that plays into who responds to what you do, and it's and it's there's always someone for everyone. So if you're one of the people that's stuck in feeling, I have to do anime, even though I really want to do abstract painting. If there is anyone that's maybe stretching it a bit, you don't have to, because there's someone for everything. That's all I'm saying. So you can be all of yourself. You can, if you want to prepare incredibly detailed plans and then make a layered print, you can do that. And Mm -hmm. there are people for that. And you can be happy. The only thing about that, and this is the part that I always struggle about, and I agree with you, I think that there is somebody and they recognise something that's in your work. If I look at the art that I choose to have in my house, it's so varied. And some of it is careful and controlled and delicate and beautifully observed and accurate. And some of it is... um, simple and some of it is constructed and constrained and controlled and some of it is loose and wild and some of it is representational and some of it is not it's really varied I have been drawn to all of them for different reasons at different points so that's the only thing whereas if I had created all of those as an artist I would be in a completely schizophrenic mess and not making my mind up so I think that's the difference between choosing art as a buyer is that there is space for everything yeah and depending where you are in your life at the time you choose something you'll pick one thing or where you are in your moods or where you are in your taste you'll pick one thing and another thing but you'll move between them and in other words at some point you'll be the buyer for that thing you bought and so that's fine I I don't think that's that contradicts anything that we're saying it's it's just what I'm saying is if there's nothing in it because it's all fake, because you're trying to do what's not really you, no one will resonate with it. You won't buy it. No matter yeah. how many types yeah. of art you buy, you won't buy that one. You'll feel the person in the painting. You'll feel it's got value and, and something in it. That's why you were attracted to it. For me, they're quite varied and they can be abstract or realistic but they're always got some kind of emotional component okay for me always some kind of resonance 
So I watched the other day, it was quite funny. I watched Mel Robbins take the, is it Enneagram? Where it oh, gives yeah. you a number. Numbers. Yeah. She was quite funny. I, there was a there was a video on Instagram of her. Actually, she said, so many people have written to me saying, what's your Enneagram number? She said, I'm going to take the test online. You can watch me. I'll put it up on screen. Here is the questions. Are you this? Yes. No, never, never. She got halfway through. She's like, I'm just even bored of answering the questions now. <laughs> and then it was like, OK, so it came up. I'm a seven or a three or a five or whatever she, she was. She's like, I don't really get this. I've not done that one. I know no. a lot of people do Myers-Briggs. I can never remember yeah. what I am apart from being E for extrovert, ENFJ, I think. And even INFP, I can remember. Yeah, introverted. Yeah, what do the other bits stand for? Introverting, then the second one is sensing or intuiting. So if you're What's an the N, you're intuiting. Sensing and intuiting. Sensing is um it means you're very logical, practical. You have to touch and feel it in the real world or you don't believe it. Um, Intuitive means you, I used to teach this stuff many, many years ago. It's a long time. I used to be qualified to teach that. Thinking or feeling, so how you make decisions is the third letter. And the last one is judging or perceiving. And that's, again, the silly words to describe. They are a bit. That judging is like, you like things structured. You like a time. You like to know what time things are happening. You like a plan. If you're going to go out somewhere, you like to know what's going to happen. And perceiving is you like spontaneous. Just don't tell me what we're going to do. We're just going to go out and see what happens. Okay. So I'm guessing you would be E-N-F-J if yes. I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, you'd, you'd think track, you'd think that I was F feeling rather than T thinking, would you? Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. I think you'd make your decisions. I think you're very analytical, but my guess is you'd make your decisions on a gut feeling of how, mm. what, of how you feel about them. And that gives you a percentage, doesn't it? How, so for some of those, I'm yeah. fairly evenly you, balanced. You might be, yeah, you might. Yeah, on the so introvert, it, extrovert thing, I'm kind of like... Ah, you, yeah, and you see, that's why you always want a party and I always want to go, yeah. oh, let's not do that. But it's been quite, we should say that, that ha- I used to teach that, but it has been quite discredited in recent years. Has there's it? A lot of, there's a lot of debate about whether it's any good or not. I think like all those things, it's probably good to some extent but probably got big holes in it as well in terms of the science. Yeah, I was trying to think whether that, in terms of if we're talking about personality and effect you are, has that, knowing that, would that have helped me in any of the decisions that I've made in what I do with my work? I'm not sure that that really would have done. don't think that's really made a difference. I think what? the thing it did for me when I learned all that stuff was, was it gave me some self-acceptance. Right. Because at the time I learned it, and I was quite young then, I didn't even know that I was introverted. I didn't even yeah. really know what introverted was. And when I got that result back and realized, oh, that's why I can't be with people mm-hmm. for very long and then I have to go away. And there's nothing wrong with me. I think, it's, I think those kind of personality tests are good for that, for making you feel accepted and like you're not there's nothing wrong with you but as we get to kind of our age I think we've probably got that I can't say our age because you're younger than me but as you get to my age and probably even your age you've kind of got used to yourself haven't you and you're a bit wiser about and that's another thing where does age come into this well I think you're right I think you know when something is clashing and maybe that's what that's what comes back to what you're doing work-wise is if you're frustrated with the way you're working or your materials or you know just check in that you're not in a rut with automatically using the same things because I always have done you know I'm running low on this I'll just reorder more supplies of the same but equally the other issue that I see is people who never settle They try one thing and then they try another thing and then they look for something else and then they take another course and they never really settle. So are we talking here about really taking the time to get grounded in with enough time and enough commitment so that you can really get grounded within your own work and understanding what suits you? I don't think you can rush this. No. 
I'm just wondering though, can you be a personality type that needs to flip between things? Yes, yes, definitely. So you can't settle. It's not right for you to settle. And if you try, you get bored and then you get then you get demotivated. Then you then you stop going in and painting because it feels like too much work. But I think if you I think we're getting somewhere. I think if you don't if you don't settle at all. And so you're always looking for the next thing, like a little bit like a magpie kind of going off and picking picking lots of different things because you like to have that stimulation what can happen though is that you get frustrated because you don't feel that you have a thing that's really taking you anywhere so if you can understand that hang on a minute I like to have some stimulation from other people I like to have variety I like to have a choice of different projects to work on you can then take those three things but give them some kind of parameters that's actually going to help you in the long term. So rather than being completely extreme and all over the place, you might say, okay, well, so for me, I like having different things. The way that I deal with it is usually having um, really large paintings on the go and really small paintings so that there's a degree of choice in any one day. I know I need to react with a degree of how do I, what do I feel like doing today? If it's all, big stuff then I start to feel like a machine I don't like it at all I I like to have that variety and I do my do my weeks the same I try to have a bit of structure in 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 my weeks but I certainly so Wednesday is my fully flexible day which gives me I can if I feel like doing all computer worky planning stuff stuff that needs doing I can do that if I need to go off to the studio I can do that so knowing that I need to have a little bit of variety and also so giving myself some adjustment in the week is really important to me really important to me so that's where it helps in your work so if you're a bit of a magpie if you like to have that variety and stimulation and control how can you make it work for you that's what's important yeah and I was thinking when you were talking I remember doing some kind of career test when I left my job and started my other business and I said oh I think I want to write resumes I think I've had this idea and the the counselor who I can't remember what test it was but he said that's fine but you'll get really bored really easily unless you put some variety in so find so I started doing a blog and writing articles and varying it up now I've got even more used to my own way of working when you were talking I was thinking wow my every day is Wednesday for me I don't have um I don't have a day when anything apart from recording the podcast is Mm. always Thursday because that's your you set that as always Mm. Thursday because you've got a plan and this makes me both disorganized sometimes I could get more done if I was more structured but it seems to be the only way I can work and so that might be my way of so I am very settled in what I'm working on in my art but I I am uh two hours on that then maybe do a bit of in my sketchbook then go do some emails then just see what's coming or maybe I'll do a YouTube video and it's very much what I feel like doing I don't think it's necessarily the most efficient way like I say but I do think it's the only way I can do it and keep productive yeah and in the past when I had a nine to five job or you know had to that was very difficult that was very wearing and I, and actually what I did was I kind of half wrote a novel while I had a job <laughs> so I had a, I got only got halfway through it. it never seen the light of day but I did it like secretly when I was supposed to be at my computer I was writing my novel because I had to have a break from I can't just do this all the time and I have to look like I'm working yeah it was in another country no one will be listening <laughs> So I don't know. We, I mean, I don't think there there isn't one personality test for artists. Maybe there should be. If there is, yeah. let us know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'd also know be thyself. That's what they say, isn't it? Yeah, I would just be really interested from anybody out there if you feel that your way of working totally does fit you, suit you. I mean, the the whole thing is like when I look at ceramicists. The whole thing of doing it carefully and letting it dry and then firing it and then working with colours that you can't. Oh, my God, it makes me feel exhausted. I, I mean, I love it. But like that whole there must be something different. I just think there has to be something different in that person's personality approach. Mine, which is why they ended up doing 
something slightly different. Anyway, I think it's very interesting. That's all. Let us know. So to wrap up, we always end with what's inspired or what we've enjoyed this week. Um, I'm going to start this week while Alice thinks about what's inspired. Um, it's kind of going on to both of our, the what we talked about in the beginning and the main topic is one of the things that's been really inspiring me this week is working with other people, which is not naturally my my way of working so I'm naturally someone who tends to prefer being alone and just doing things on my own and getting things done but I'm working with this designer on the website hi Mariana if you're listening and I'm working with the publisher on my book and there was a lot of upfront work for me on both those projects first of all I had to come up with the idea that I wanted to do them then I had to in the case of the book write the book and in the case of the uh, branding and web design write, I had write to write the book yeah I had to write, write the, the book. book just do that and in the case of the branding and web design I had to write a, almost a book because her questionnaire is giant and it took ages to fill out but then got somebody else with more expertise than me going away and making something better than I could have done on my own it's really it's a big kind of smack around the head that even though I tend to want to just do everything on my own sometimes it's best to hand over to people who really know what they're doing and um, neither of these things would have been possible for me early on the web design because I wouldn't have had the money to invest and the book because I wouldn't have even had the confidence to think I could approach a publisher or anything but now that it's happening at the right time I feel like I need to take a lesson from it and think about where I can apply that I am very good at coming up with the ideas I'm very good at doing the first part but I have a tendency to think I can do it all when it will always be substandard if I don't get someone who knows better than me Mm. so that's been it's just been really interesting to watch the process. I mean, the book in particular, because I haven't seen the website yet. I've seen stages, but the book, it just looks beautiful. And yes, I could have gone to blurb and I could have laid out a book using one of their templates, but it wouldn't have looked like this. There's no way. Um, it's exciting too. The, the, the point about this, and, and both of them are creative projects, is that, well, there's two things. One is that you're spreading it out a little bit further in the world aren't you you're allowing other people to use their skills but ultimately that makes it more interesting for you because you've got that whole extra layer that's come into it you know when it comes back to you you're excited about it you're surprised about it there's something new that somebody else has suggested that you feel oh yeah that really works or as I know you felt at one point hang on a minute that feels off so again you know, you're learning. And I think your point, and it's a really important one. And I don't, again, I don't know if there's a shortcut to this. You know, when you said that you couldn't have done that a few years ago, it it's, it's difficult, but having, we've almost got to experience that. Or is that, am, am I assuming, I, I think I, you need to experience it in order to feel confident in doing it now you've got that it'll be much easier in future projects but it's it's difficult to leapfrog into that yes yeah I think and I think you get some kind of inkling that oh that would be good or in this case with the publisher it came from me thinking I was going to do it myself then someone suggesting a way that I could do it with a publisher self what we used to call self-publishing but with a publisher and then them saying no actually we'd like to do it with you and all that was a very gradual thing I don't think I would have gone well I know I wouldn't have written a book proposal and gone to a publisher with it I would have done it myself it would have been subpar and so what other things am I doing now where they would be better if I let other people in yeah that's a good one to think about like you know and I think also the power of initiating something 
Oh, time and time again. I had something this week and honestly, I've been putting off doing it for three weeks. And then I just thought, fine, you've got an hour now. Just sit down and just do the first part of it. It's just an hour. Just do an hour, see how much you get done. And then you can sit and watch Line of Duty. And this thing that I had been putting off for three weeks, I got done in 40 minutes. And I was like, it's just that power (laughs) of kickstarting something. Little things like we started investigating. Like My phone has been broken for over a year since the first lockdown I was like and I went on the website to see if I was uh, eligible for I know I'm eligible for an upgrade because I've been paying for a damn phone I haven't been using for two years but um and then it said oh yeah but these ones we could they can't be sent out until the 17th of May or something and then I thought oh well stuff that then anyway I got a phone call the next day of course from the people who said we see you're inquiring on the website I'm calling from home office was there a you know is there anything that I can head office anything that I can help you with with that and I was like yeah but I saw that they weren't available so really I I can just wait and they were like oh no we have access to different supplies so what was it that you were interested in and it's arrived today oh and that was only from thinking yesterday oh well I'll just have a little look and it's all done and again that's been something that's been a I've got to do that at some point and get that sorted out the broken phone yeah. I just love it just this when something I don't know this is a lesson I need to learn over and over again just do the thing I know do the thing it feels so it good started. when it goes away yeah but it's partly it's what you're saying it's the other person's involvement it's when you just get it started it picks up a little bit of momentum if somebody else gets involved it just makes it easier sometimes doesn't it to not get caught up about ooh, making decisions in your head so yeah yeah, that's good. So hopefully what's going to be inspiring me is this amazing new camera and new video. And I'm going to be like, oh, I can do all sorts of fancy new things. And we'll see you all over YouTube. Did you? But that's the other thing that's inspiring me is yeah. Line of Duty. And I don't <laughs> want to talk about the show because people a might not have seen it. And also you might live in another country. But what it is about it is this has been my favorite TV show forever. I just loved it from season one. It's now been on for 10 years. But it's back and it's normal. We've had very little on television. And even for someone who barely watches television, I'm like, goodness, when I want to sit down and watch television, there's nothing to watch. So we've actually got something that's amazing, really exciting to watch. And it's, and it's just as good as ever. And it feels a bit like normal life. Mm. I, I think it's like this huge sigh of relief for people in Britain that like, oh, something's normal. And it feels like a harbinger of what might be coming. Let's hope so. Yeah. Well, not that we all want, yeah, we don't want uh, deaths and crooked bent coppers and uh, organized criminals, but we just. It's funny that you say that though, because I was thinking about it this morning (laughs) because I already watched it last night was They do this thing in Line of Duty. So it is about anti-corruption in the police force. And there's always somebody each season. And you basically spend the whole time thinking, who's the dodgy one? Are they dodgy? Well, this happened. They're definitely dodgy because they covered that up. Or they're definitely, oh, well, hang on a minute. But then they looked at that person this way. And you just flip constantly between, oh, this person is definitely dodgy. They're definitely in on it. No, they're being controlled. No, they don't one or the other and just this constant exhausting flipping between (laughs) one side and the other one side and the other where's this going to go what's this going to lead to I thought this morning I thought Jed Mercurio you know you're writing line of duty you could be writing about the process of making a painting because it's exactly what my brain does through making a painting yeah where is this going to go what's the outcome going to be what's the storyline going to be here is this going to be the main character is that the main character I don't know yet same thing (laughs) perfect wrap up right and now we've got to wait because it is on normal tv not binge oh, tv that is so annoying till sunday so annoying i wait till monday because we don't watch it like when it's on because I'm, no. I'm too tired at nine o'clock to yeah. concentrate and you've really got to be paying attention so i watch it on monday earlier when i'm so come on tell everybody in case because I think we mentioned it so the two podcasts that you listen to one is Shrine of Duty which comes out the following Wednesday Wednesday, and that's the one with the lovely Irish accents and what was the other one the other is Obsessed with Line of Duty which is Doc Cotton from season 
two and three or one and two and three, I think he was the evil cop and he ended up dead. And the actor that plays him does obsessed with line of duty. And he has a different guest on every week. So he had Sarah Millican. Then he had an actress I don't know. And last week he had Sanjeev Bhaskar. And so he has someone on each week who's also obsessed with line of duty. And then they, and his comes out the morning after because he gets early access to the show because oh. he works for the BBC. So okay. that com- they, theirs comes out the day before. So I can watch it on Monday, listen to Craig Thingy on Tuesday, listen to Shrine of Duty on Wednesday, and then I have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Doc Cotton always makes me laugh because I always think of chain smoking Doc Cotton in East Well, Angeles. that's why I think that that's what his name is, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I thought just, he was a little bit attractive, Doc Cotton, in a, in a kind of... Moving on. Bad way. <laughs> Swiftly moving on. So if you've been listening to this, we'd love to hear from you how you think your personality comes out, either in your work or in your work process, how you approach your work. And you can tell us that on either of our social medias. So I always post this on my Facebook page at Louise Fletcher Art. And where do you post yours, Alice? Yeah, I post a, I post a link to my uh, Facebook page, which is um, Alice Sheridan Art. And then sometimes I have a post on Instagram. So I'll make sure that for this week we have a post on Instagram because I think this is a really interesting conversation and I, I would love to hear back from you where you think it feeds into your work. So yeah, you can find me at Alice Sheridan Studio on Instagram and Louise's Louise Fletcher underscore art on Instagram. Come and let us know. And next week we have a special guest. So stay tuned. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.